What, what's in a name? Those songs we sang today, those worship songs, talking about the names of Jesus. I was blown away. I, that, that one, uh, that second song, did you catch all the words in there that were just so powerful? Uh, he who was born, or he was before there was light, walked across the pages of time, who made every living thing behold him. He heard humanity's cry, left his throne to wake as a child. Have you thought of that? Jesus left glory and woke as a human helpless baby. Became like the least of us. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion. Oh, be still and behold him. That, oh, I, was just, I was just going, that song, because what's in a name? Names are important, aren't they? You know how it is. You, you like to hear your name called, right? Right? <laughs> I was at a restaurant re- this week, and the person calling names sounded like the people were in trouble. You ever had that experience? <laughs> I said, oh, everybody was cringing. You know, here, then they're like, oh, what did I do? Oh, it's, my food's ready. Okay. <laughs> How did you get your name? Do you guys know that? Have you talked to your parents about that? I know some families it's a big deal and it's part of the conversation often, but not everybody always knows. I, I'm surprised when I talk to somebody, they do not know how their parents chose their name, especially if it's an unusual name or a name that seemingly might have some wis- uh, something behind it. I'm just curious about it. You know, maybe it's a name that sounded good to your mom or dad or or um, maybe it was a past crush. I know of those stories. It's kind of comical, but um, okay, awkward. But uh, maybe it was a favorite uh, celebrity, a teacher, maybe a high school friend or somebody, uh, maybe someone who was famous at the time. I know my mom was actually named. Now, this is going back a ways. Mom, I don't mean you're old. I'm just saying it's going back a ways. She was named after a radio soap opera star character. There you go. Can happen that way. I know some people, they use uh, family names. Uh, you know what's interesting, too, is how names change over time. Have, have you checked that and seen that? How names kind of go with different generations. I just happened to Google, like, the top 100 names, and the page it went to was the one, top 100 names from 19, the year 1900 till 2021. Just, just tell me how many, of these pe- how many people you know with these names. James, Robert, John, Michael, William, David, Richard, Joseph... Thomas, Charles, Christopher, Daniel, Matthew, Anthony, Mark. I'm not going to read all 100. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> I only have 20 here. Uh, Mary, Patricia, Jennifer. In my youth group one time in California, we had a large youth group, but I had, in junior high alone, we had seven Jennifers. Seven. And once you go like Jennifer one, Jennifer two, then that's not cool anymore. You don't, no one wants to be Jennifer three. Right. So then they started breaking it down. We had Jenny, we had Jen, we had a Niffer. Niffer, she went by Niffer all her entire, she still goes by Niffer. Uh, Linda, Elizabeth, Barbara, Susan, Jessica, Sarah, Karen. I know in our family, Nicole, she's named after one of her grandmothers. And uh, we, we kind of kept that tradition. I'm named after both of my grandfathers. My dad's, my dad, my mom's uh, dad's name was Dennis. And my dad's name's, uh, dad's dad's name was Charles. We kept that tradition with our kids. Um, not necessarily with their first name sometimes. Like Grace, that's just a name. We really like that name. And then Kayla Ree, we made that name up. We combined both of our mother's middle names and made a name. So Nicole's mom's middle name is Kay. My mom's middle name is Laree. And uh, we combined those. And then Lily, we did Alice Francis because both my grandmother's names were Alice. And my, my sister who passed away, her middle name was Alice. So we did that and then named Francis after Nicole's grandma. Then Theodore's named after his his grandfather and uncle, both were Theodore. 
And then his middle name, Emmett, is my dad's middle name. So, I mean, people do that, right? You ever look up the names, like what your name means? Sometimes it can be kind of cool. Sometimes it can be like, really? That's interesting. I know I met this, uh, I met a girl, a, a high school student recently. Her name was Sophia. And I said, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful name. Do you know what that means? And she had no idea what her name meant. It actually means wisdom in Greek. It's really a cool name. But she, she was unaware. And when I told her what her name meant, you could just see her. I said, well, that's, that's really awesome. Your name means wisdom. When people are calling you, they're literally calling you wisdom. You can see her eyes just kind of lit up like, wow. She started to sense that maybe that name had something to do with who she was, like a connection with her identity. Uh, I don't know if you've done this, but looked up names. Oh, I like this one too. I'm like Some people have that name, uh, Desiree, which means desire, like you were wanted, you were cherished. You were pre- it's just a different emphasis on a different syllable there. Carol, Charlotte, those names are derivative. Those are like from Charles, but it means free man. I think that's interesting. Frank, got a bunch of Franks in here. You guys know what your name means? Frank, do you know? No, no idea. It's an old German origin. It says Frank means Frenchman because the French were actually the Frank, the tri- the Frank tribes who moved into France in the fourth century and they were Frenchmen. They were to be free. I don't know, to me, it's just interesting. I mean, you got all these names. David, it's a Hebrew name, means beloved. Deborah, a lot of Deborahs here, means bee. <laughs> I had no idea. I love that. Uh, Dennis, you guys know what that means? It's from Dionysus. The Greek, the Greek god of, of wine, but I always prefer to think of that as if you're going to be choosing wine, you got to have good judgment, so I prefer to think of it as good judgment. But He was also, it's in the Bible. Some of your names are in the Bible. I don't know if you enjoy that, but in Acts 17, Paul is in, in Greece, and he's speaking at Athens, and one of the converts is Dionysus, which is cool. Eric is of old Norse origin. There's a few Erics here. It means um, the, the main leader, like the complete ruler so Ein, if you split it up, I Rick. Ein means one or alone, and Rick means rule or power. I don't know. To me, those are fascinating. So do you live up to your name? Do you ever think about your name having meaning and, and being important, what it meant? In Jewish culture, the names were super important because a lot of them were family names that go back in history, but a lot of them had really deep meaning, and the, the idea was that we are bestowing this character of this name on this child. And then the child would often be reminded, hey, this is your name, you need to be like this person. Kind of reminds me of the story of Alexander the Great, I don't know if you've heard of this, but at one point Alexander is, is inspecting the troops, and there's a, a, a soldier was brought to him. This soldier had been on watch and fallen asleep on watch. So basically, Alexander was called upon to pass judgment on this soldier, which could have been very severe. And he asked the soldier, soldier, what's your name? And he says, Alexander. You know what he said to him? You need to change your ways or change your name. I don't know. I think about that. I think about the meanings, how important it is. That's why I'm calling today. We're going to be looking at the names of, of Jesus, the Christmas names of Jesus the next two weeks. But today, I wanted to call today Emmanuel Mass. We don't, you know, like Christmas, but Emmanuel. You know what Mass means, the Mass part? That was the, the service for Christmas. Christmas was the, Christian, the, Christ, the Christ, Christ Mass. So today, we're going to do Emmanuel Mass, if that's all right. It, it, you may probably, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's so many names for Jesus. Just in the accounts of his birth in Matthew and Luke, there's over 16 names or titles given to Jesus in that time. 
And all of them have meaning. They're really heavy meaning. We're not going to spend time on every one of them, but just to give you an overview, they mention just a few of them. Jesus, Messiah, Son of the Most High, Day Spring. Have you heard that one before? Savior, the Lord, light to reveal the Lord, glory of your people Israel, and then Emmanuel. So let's look at these, just a couple of them today. How, and so we, we jump into Matthew, the story of, of Jesus' birth from Matthew. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. See what the names. Joseph, son of David. The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, those, those, those verses are so full of things, but I just want to focus on two names this morning. The first one I want to focus on is Jesus. Jesus. The power of that name. That last song we sang, you're talking about Jesus' name and how much power is in a name. I want you to notice a few things. Notice this. God chose that name. He chose that name. It wasn't a family name. And we have Jesus' lineage. You can go back through Jesus' lineage. That name does not appear. Even though it's a very common Jewish name for the first century, that name is not there. They, God chose that name. And there's significance about that. There's significance in God giving the name. Obviously, God wanted that name because of the meaning. And then it's also significant that Joseph took Jesus and named him that. And something that we don't really have in our culture, it's not the same, but, but listen to this. It was necessary for, for Joseph to listen to the angel to take Mary into his home because that made her officially his wife. Before that, they were engaged. But when he took her into his home, that meant that Jesus then became his son. All the rights and responsibilities that went, went with Joseph being a son of David, part of the lineage of Abraham all the way down, to, to David, the King David and David, because the prophecy was that there would be a son in David's lineage. Now Jesus became adopted into that lineage. It's huge. Not only that, when he took him as his son, that meant that he was then part of Joseph's family. God, it's a powerful thing. I mean, it's overwhelming to think even what Joseph did and the, the idea that he couldn't understand possibly how it would be, but he was obedient and did that. The name was super familiar, though. And when I tell you about it, you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that, but that was interesting. Jesus is Greek. Now, most of all, what we know from the New Testament, it was written in Greek. So a lot of those Greek names come to us. Now, some of those were Hebrew that were translated into Greek. But in this case, Jesus is actually a very familiar uh, Hebrew name, which would have been uh, Joshua or pronounced Yeshua. And the name is a powerful name. It literally means, it takes the holy name of God, Yahweh, and means Yahweh is salvation, or he will save, or the Lord saves. Now it probably makes a lot of sense here. Wait a minute. 
These Jews, they're really into word plays. I don't know if you've noticed that. Does any of the rest of you like word plays? I do. I love puns. I love seeing how things connect. I love seeing how words development develop and how one word meant something here and as it's changed or it's transferred and from one language to another. All those things really fascinate me. And Jews were all about that. So think about the word plays here. I want us to think about this for a minute. What you have here is really interesting because uh, the name is the Lord saves. And who gave the name? God himself, the Lord. And how is he saving? By giving you a son. And that's the son that says the Lord saves. His name is not only who he was, but what he was going to do. And I want you to also notice this. It said specifically, he will save the people from their sins. Sometimes you learn a lot about a name or at least what God's intentions was with almost, almost as much by what he did not say. I don't know if you caught this, but he did not say he will save his people from the Romans. He didn't say that. That's what they wanted him to do, but that's not what it said. It also didn't say he will save them from the government system that's currently in your country at the time. It didn't say that. It didn't say that it would save him from poverty because his family was in poverty. And what you think? I mean, if God is giving them a son, wouldn't he give them a little richness too? It didn't say that. It didn't say that he will save you from every difficulty that comes along your way. It didn't say that. You know why? Because the most important thing that stands between us and a relationship with God is not any of those things. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what country you're part of. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. None of those things are as important as the sin that's in our life that separates us from God. That's God's main concern and it has been from the beginning of time. I don't want to ruin every movie for you or everything like that, but have you noticed that the subplot of every movie is basically God's story? Every story borrows from him and his story. The grand story, I I hate to do this in a way because you'll watch movies now and you'll be like, I've seen this. (laughs) Everything was perfect. God had relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin came in, we made choices, bad things happened, that was destroyed. So the entire Bible is a story about God restoring that relationship. So what does he do? He sends, he takes the people of Israel, he sends them representatives, he sends them prophets, he sends them priests, he sends them kings, he sends all these judges, all these people, and finally what he does is send his son. So every movie's like this. Things are good, something bad happens, a hero has to come and defeat the bad, then it's all good again. That is the story. We're in the middle of that story. This this story about the birth of Jesus is literally that story of God redeeming humanity. And when it says that Jesus, the Lord, saves, and he saves by Jesus, he sends Jesus there, but not to save you from every problem. He does help you with problems. But our biggest problem is the one that if you solve that, all the others line up. Solve the sin problem. So he solves it with Jesus. Now, they didn't have a whole lot of information about this. For us, we're looking at all of this from the other side of Calvary from 2,000 years later. It's difficult for understand, but the clues were all there. So even going back to the garden, what happens? Adam and Eve sin. And when they sin, they separate themselves from God. That sin has to be paid for. It has to be paid for. And what sometimes you miss in the story is, if you look at Genesis 3, 8, God comes calling for them in the garden. It says that they used to walk in the garden and talk. The relationship was good. 
But Adam and Eve are hiding. And when God calls out, I love this part because it's just comical. It's just like God, isn't it? It's like you playing hide and seek with your kids. You know how they used to play, right? Remember kids when you used to play hide and seek and you weren't good at it? Do you remember that? And mom and dad, we know where they are because you can see their feet sticking out from under the curtains, right? Or they might stand there with their eyes like this, like, you can't see me. Yes, we can. And God calls out. And when Adam answers, he said, why were you hiding? And he says, we were hiding because we were ashamed. And what does God do? He kills an animal, covers them with the skins. That's the first time we see payment for sin. And then there's the sacrificial system that's instituted. And then you have Moses freeing the people from Israel and the Passover lamb is killed. And that blood allows the the angel of death to pass over those houses. All of that is prefiguring the sacrifice that would come with Jesus. So when it says the Lord saves, all of that is built into this. Because not only is he the savior, but he is the actual thing that will save. And God provides that. It's so amazing. It's just, he, there's this penalty for sin. Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So the payment would be paid by the gift itself, which Jesus, he is the savior. He saves us. It's this wordplay. His name was not only his identity, but it was also his destiny. It was not only his who he was, but it's also what he would do. I don't know, man, it makes you wonder, you know, and we don't know all the details of how much Jesus knew about his godhood at, at what point in life or whatever, but when it says the Lord saves, it's Jesus. He's the Savior who would save. Jesus becomes that perfect lamb. But it doesn't end there. So if, if you work at it like this, okay, Jesus is the Lord saves. So he is the, literally the sacrifice that would save. He's the instrument of salvation, and he's given by God. That's how the Lord is going to save. How does he do that? Well, he does it like this, Matthew 1.23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will be, give birth to a son. And here's the big word for today, the other name. They will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel which means, I love how Matthew, he gives us the definitions. By the way, this is what that means. In case you don't know, here's what it means. God with us. God is with us. God's son, God's son. he's born of a man, Emmanuel. It's another wordplay. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's another wordplay. God is literally with us now. God in the second person of the Trinity is with us. Emmanuel, he is with us. Jesus probably wasn't called Emmanuel. It was probably more of a title than it was a name. He was probably called Jesus all the time. But think about this for a second. It was not only his, a title, but it's what he was. He was this thing. His identity was Emmanuel. Because God with us was who he was. Him walking around is God literally with us. Before this, God was always a part. And I know it's hard for us to understand because as Christians today, you've heard this all your life. We invite Jesus in our heart. He's with us. You get it. But in his day, it wasn't like that. It wasn't the same. They felt like God lived in Jerusalem at the temple or that he was in the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't think of him as having a personal relationship walking with us. That's why this is so revolutionary, where he is going to be called this And this was a quote, actually, from the book of Isaiah, something 700 years before. So the Jews had debated and wondered, what did this mean, God, with us? Was he going to be, like, right here? 
But they had a picture of it before. Think again about Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. Remember what accompanied them? Remember during the day they had a pillar of a cloud and then at night they had a pillar of fire and that God literally resided in the tabernacle? So they knew what it meant for him to be around. But what they didn't know is that Jesus himself would be God and be with us. It was his role, but it was also that title. And think about this. It's actually related to his name. The Lord saves. Well, how is he going to save? I, I like to think of it like this. It's kind of a worldview issue. Every, everybody, every religion has to answer this question. What's our purpose? And you see problem with the world, and what's the solution? Here's how Christianity deals with that. The problem is that sin separates man from God. And then Jesus is the solution by removing the sin. And then salvation results with what? You feel like you're in school yet? <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us. So think about this for a second. Here's the wordplay. Jesus saves. He's the Savior. The Lord saves by providing Jesus as the sacrifice. And then when he does that, not only is Jesus with us as Emmanuel, but then now we are with him. He is with us in in an eternal spiritual sense. He's with us because he has saved us. To me, it just blows me away the more I think about it. We can be with God because God came to us. We can be with God because Emmanuel, God came to us, so now we can be with God. It's like he came here, and he didn't come and then just leave again. He came and stayed, and in the person of Christ, he has a relationship with us that literally lives with us, walks with us every day, day in, day out, through every problem, every question, every joy, everything we experience. Now we can experience it with him because God is with us. And how did that happen? Because the Lord saves. To me, it all pulls together. When I think about God being with us, he's with us physically. He was with us physically with the disciples. Now he's with us spiritually personally, emotionally, in every way. It's Emmanuel. It's literally God with us. He's here. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He walks with us through all of life's ups and downs, through every problem. He's there. Now, there may have been times in your life where you felt like he isn't there. or You've prayed for things and he hasn't answered or you don't feel like he's as close as he should be. And I think a lot of times our human, our human natural response is to push him away even farther when he's saying, no, let me in and I will walk with you through this deepest, darkest valley. That's what, that's what Psalm, the 23rd Psalm was about when it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or some translations say that the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, you are with me. That's it. That's it. That promise was there, but people couldn't probably fully grasp it. And yet when Jesus was here, that was the Lord saves. Jesus, I am saving you. I am here. And then as that salvation happens, not only is Emmanuel God with us, but he's with us to stay. It's, his, it's related to his actual name. The Lord saves. And it's there. He's not far off. He's not hidden. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not trained to be hard to get. He's not cloaked for you Star Trek fans. He's not in stealth mode. He's here. He's here. Here's the thing about it. There's times where we push him away, but he's here. Now, if he forced himself on us all the time, that would, that would negate your free will. He doesn't do that. He tells you he's here. The Lord is here to save. God is with us, but then you choose. You choose. 
And again, this wasn't a new idea, but it's a new understanding because Jesus was here. I want to read to you out of Jeremiah 29. Think about this for a second. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you. I don't know. I read that and I think, oh my God, how many times have I ignored you or pushed you away or been so frustrated by circumstances? Or maybe I jumped into a solution that I thought was correct or maybe I just gave up and forgot or whatever. But he was there. He was there. Always there. He's as close as the whisper of his name. The whisper of his name. He's close to the brokenhearted. He came to seek and save the lost. What I'm doing right now is literally quoting from both Old and New Testament. And these are actual words in the scripture to remind us he is here. He came to seek and save the lost. I'm lost. You're lost. We are lost. But the Savior came as a little baby in a manger, helpless and raised by two young parents. And he did that because God sent him and said, name him Jesus. The Lord saves. And as you save, because Emmanuel, God is with us, he will always be with us. Think about the meaning of those words. The Lord saves. Jesus, the Lord saves. He saves us. He saves you. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's with you. You can reject him, though. He gives us your free will to do that. Or you can choose him. I heard this years ago, and it just, it always haunts me. You have the relationship with him that you want. Let this sink in for a minute. You have the relationship with him that you want. It works like this. He's right here. I saw this dramatized one time. I mean, think about where you are in relationship. Imagine this is him. Where are you in relationship to, to him? Are you right there with him? Are you facing him? Are you turned away? Are you maybe walking away or walking toward? Are you running toward him? Are you pursuing him? Or are you running away? Where are you? It's your choice. He is here, but it's your choice. My prayer for you this morning is that no matter where you are in this continuum of your relationship with Jesus, that you would open your heart to him in a new way because he came to be with you, Emmanuel, and he came to save Jesus. He came for those reasons. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second and maybe you keep thinking what I was thinking as I wrote this all down. I was just thinking, God, how many times have I walked away or pushed you aside or wondered if you were really there? And I felt like what he kept saying to me was this. I want you to shut your eyes for a second. And I want, I felt like, you know, it seems like today we make everything about us. Uh, it's like we, we think we're the center of the universe. And I felt like God was saying, okay, yeah, that's a problem. But don't forget, I came to save people. You. I did come for that. I sent Jesus because he saves. And I came to be with them, Emmanuel. And I felt like I was having this conversation with him and saying, I get that, but 
really, we're not that important. And he said, really? Because I think I keep telling you that you are. I want relationship with you. So with your eyes closed, just listen to this for a minute. I want you to imagine that you are writing these words to God. This is out of Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. I well know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This part just gets me every time. You saw me. He saw you. Let me personalize it for you. He saw you before you were born. I'm going to personalize this rest of this. Every day of your life was recorded in his book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And this is the most mind-blowing of all. He has precious thoughts about you. Oh God. They can't even be numbered. Even if you could count them, they outnumber the grains of sand. When you wake up and go to sleep, he's there. You matter to him like that. We're going to close the service, and I want you to walk out of here. Here's what I want you to walk out of here. I want you to walk out of here with an overwhelming sense of gratitude and also comfort in knowing that you are on God's mind. He literally thinks about you. And because of that, he came to save, and he's with you. No matter what you're walking through, you should be able to turn to him and say, I know, Jesus, you came to save, and I know, Emmanuel, you are with me right now. And I want, my prayer is that his overwhelming presence would just give you a sense of peace and comfort for you to know that not only does he know who you are, where you are, planned out every one of your days, but he's with you right now. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you don't have that sensation, or maybe you've never heard this till today, and you're thinking, if that's true, then I want, I do want a relationship with him, and you'd like to start a relationship with him today. Anybody here like that, you'd raise your hand if you'd just like to start that relationship Anybody at all, you raise your hand and we'll pray with you for that. Anyone at all. If you're watching online and that's you, you can easily contact us. You can email prayer at crownpointchurch or .com or you can um, just let us know in the chat. We pray with you. Maybe you're sitting here today and um, you're walked in with some kind of issue. We prayed for those I know at the beginning of the service, but perhaps you're here today and you're just thinking, God, I need you. Appreciate that reminder, but I need you desperately. Is that anybody here today? You just say, I need prayer today. I just need that reassurance that he's here with me and cares about me. I just see that hand. Anybody else? Let me pray with us as we close today. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite you to, after the service, I'm going to be down here at the front. If anybody would need prayer or want prayer for anything at all, be happy to pray with you. Father, I, give, I just give you glory this morning and I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for that, just the beauty and the power and the names of your son Jesus. That he is the Lord and he saves and that you are here with us. And God, I pray for each and every one of us that the realization of that, the reality of that would literally be heavy on our hearts and minds throughout this day and with everybody we encounter. 
God, I pray for those who are struggling with that today. Maybe things aren't going well, and because of that, they have doubted. And I pray, God, that you would reassure them of that this morning, in this moment. God, I pray for those who are working through issues or carrying struggles, that, God, that you would intervene and take care of each and every one of those. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. I pray that God would not only take you out of here, but you would encourage each other with these, these, these thoughts. In Jesus' name. Amen.